Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Hercules Invictus, and tonight's show will be the Age of Heroes. I'm honored to announce that our guest is Mark Zinna, and we'll be talking about a wide variety of topics tonight. Greetings and welcome, Mark. How are you? Great, Hercules. How are you doing this evening? And thank you for having me on the show again. Oh, it's always a pleasure. You're a great uh, guest. Congratulations on your son's graduation. Oh, thank you very much. He graduated eighth grade tonight. He's the fourth and final child to graduate eighth grade, so I'm happy about that. Wow, that that is awesome. And, and again, congratulations. And also congratulations for uh, winning in the primaries and entering the mayoral race. Well, that's uh, thank you very much. Um, you know, uh, the my primary fight was um, – was uh, unopposed, so I had a relatively easy run of it, but we were still campaigning out there, and I'm happy to say we managed to poll more votes than everyone else, including a highly tested... Yeah, that's very good, and it's very very good. uh, It's a good sign for November, and the real fight's going to be in the general election, so um, stay tuned for more of that. Uh, I, we're going to speak a number of times before then, so we'll keep up to date and on top of uh, that. Um, tonight I had a bunch of topics, uh, and I guess let's see how many of them we can cover or come up with uh, in the time that we have to us. Uh, of one of the topics was uh, contested and uncontested uh, contests. Um, as you know, um, I had initially announced that if I wasn't chosen by the Democratic County Committee, that I would run anyway. Uh, but then two opportunities uh, happened, like simultaneously, that, that would have drawn my attention away for months to come. So I didn't think that running was uh, the best uh, idea. But uh, there was another contested uh, candidate, and uh, um, there, there seemed to be a lot of ill will. So that surprised me. Um, you know, because it seems to go beyond winning and losing. 
And uh, I began wondering, like, would I be experiencing this ill will if I had uh, run as a contested uh, um, person? Well, so that, that's a so that's a good question. I mean, just going in the order of that you brought the issues, uh, right? You, you stood for the committee election. Um, uh, unfortunately, you know, you didn't uh, you didn't you weren't able to go forward with it. You didn't get uh, the nod for that. But you right. you made a you made a personal choice uh, based on the totality of everything going on in your life. You made a responsible decision and decided that you weren't going to jump into the primary to get into the fight. Um, and uh, you know, for, the, for for just for the sake of your readers understanding the background, we, you know, you and I are talking about uh, a democratic fight where there were five candidates for two. Uh, for two council seats, of which Correct. two incumbents held, and uh, uh, two yourself and another individual decided not to get into the primary. One of the sitting councilmen who was ousted in the committee vote decided to get into the, to challenge the committee's two picks. And what happens in this scenario? This is a this is a, a family squabble, if you will. And okay. sometimes sometimes things get unpleasant. And sometimes candidates say things and tee up their opponent to strike back. Uh, you know, things got a little crazy with this particular primary. I've been in primary fights um, at the council level previously. And, uh, I, I, and in a general election, which both got a little, both got a little testy, but nothing like we experienced in last week's election or the past two weeks and three weeks of kind of the mudslinging that was going on. That was very unusual. Uh, we've had two candidates who clearly didn't see eye to eye, and they won at it. And, uh, you know, the third candidate, he kind of, uh, he, he marched, uh, took the high road, and, you know, he got the most of the three candidates' votes. So that says something there. But the challenger mm -hmm. off the line, uh, you know, he prevailed. And um, whatever you want to say about the nature of the race, uh, the results are the results. Right. And, and the people have spoken through their uh, votes. And uh, right. um, again, but it was just very surprising to me because uh, uh, I knew all the individuals involved. <laughs> and uh, it was very disturbing to see uh uh, this type of ill will, uh, uh, you know, floating and generating because uh, I believe, the, you know, even though this contest had us uh, uh, divided, we're all on the same team when all is said and done. No, I agree. We're all on the same team. You, you never want to see uh, the, the level of acrimony and kind of personal comments that people make at each other go on. It really is. You know, you know, I pull out the old standard. We should be talking about paving the roads, fixing the potholes, and beautifying the parks, and not, um, you know, screaming at each other as loud as possible. Because you're right. Ultimately, that doesn't doesn't serve any public purpose. And uh, it interferes with uh, public discourse. Uh, recently, on uh, our political show, we've had a um, um, a conservative Republican who is running for mayor in uh, Patterson. And he and I do not see eye to eye uh, politically on very many uh, topics. Um, right. However, right. 
uh, we've managed to have very civil uh, discourse and discover that on other topics, we, ha- we actually have a great deal in common. And that uh, even though we express our views differently and may vote differently or, or fight for different things, um, we can respect what each other has to say and, uh, you know, discuss things without uh, getting into, you know, a fight and just agree to disagree. And uh, that I've been disturbed that it's been evaporating um, on all levels of our government. So uh, th- that I decided that that's something I could do with my dinky little show. So I'm going to continue doing it to the best of my ability, you know, just get people to talk and uh, to be civil in uh, their uh, conversation. Um, so uh, um, that's a new element that has uh, been added uh, since you've been on uh, last and uh, also we're extending our range to New York City. Great. That's fabulous. That's uh, great news. Somebody, Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, we have somebody who has a pulse on the local politics in the city. So uh, very shortly, uh, we're going to be uh, having a mayoral candidate from uh, New, you know, New York for the next election. Yeah, that, you know, that's fabulous. To follow up on your point, there, there's a gentleman whose son – uh, plays on the same football team that my son plays on. And uh, he, he's run for council previously. Uh, very nice guy. Um, we are, he and I are on polar opposites politically. Uh, we don't agree on the approach to politics. But I will tell you, whenever we're together, we sit in the stands while the kids are playing football. And he and I have very civil discourse and conversations on a multitude of political issues, and uh, we simply don't agree with each other, but we're still friends. And uh, he's an intelligent guy. I'm, a, you know, I try to, I try to hope to be a somewhat intelligent guy. And you're uh, very intelligent we, guy. But, but the the point is, we don't, uh, you know, we don't make it personal. We don't get into acrimony. We're very friendly with each other. And you know, he walks away convinced of the righteousness of his point of view. And I do the same thing on my point of view, but, and, and really in public discourse, you know, this is one of the reasons, uh, you know, I turn off both CNN and Fox news and the television. And I, and I want to read everything in print or on the internet because regardless of the point of view, I don't want to yell at me. I, I would like to have the ideas and the points of view discussed. Uh, because there is too much anger. People are, people are outraged at being outraged, and they lose sight of, of what are the root causes of whatever issues or challenges there are, and they get angry at people simply for disagreeing with them. And that's, that's a real problem because, you know, there, there's, there's multiple ways to build a house. There's multiple ways to skin a cat, pardon the expression. And uh-huh. it, it, it doesn't mean that, one person's way is the only option. Uh, you know, that's, that's why we have voting, so that we decide whose option we're going to go with in terms of getting things done. Very well said. And speaking about cats, uh, a couple of the <laughs> topics I have tonight are animal-related. Uh, recently, I got involved with the, uh, uh, the, the deer hunt issue. Right. And uh, my uh, stance was, uh, you know, I was against uh, the hunting. Uh, Not that I'm against hunting per se, but I didn't think that hunting was a good idea in populated Bergen County. Uh, 
And uh, I remember when I first uh, moved back to Bergen County, uh, some of the hunters that wanted to uh, fire bows and arrows uh, and guns um, much closer to the houses uh, than they're currently allowed. So I didn't want that in uh, you know, my neighborhood, uh, in my community. And also we started looking at uh, hunting uh, websites to try to understand the perspective and uh, right. what we found on some of the websites was very a very callous disregard for the well-being of uh, pets that might be in the backyard uh, <laughs> and things like that. So I, I really did not want these folks uh, anywhere near uh, my uh, loved ones or my uh, community. Um, so now that I've taken the, the stance, um, people with good conscience are sending me different perspectives. You know, they're sending me... Right. Um, explanations of why certain people feel differently than I do. And I've been thanking everybody because I, you know, I, I can't claim to know what the end, the correct answer is. You know, I still want, uh, um, I don't want people doing dangerous things in my community. And if animals are to be killed, I want them to be killed humanely. Um, well, you, you, you know, you've raised, it's a good, it's a good, it's a very uh, current issue uh, and it's becoming a real problematic and bordering on a public health hazard issue with Lyme disease, with car. You know, I've had a couple of friends who deer have run out onto the road on 9W in the Palisades Parkway. Their cars have been totaled. That happened to two of my friends. Thank God um, they weren't hurt other than bruises and scratches. Uh, you know, there's a real issue. Now, if you go up to Mawa, in Bergen County where people have four and five acres of land and everyone in the neighborhood is like that, you know, they can choose if they want to do hunting in that community uh, by, you know, bow and arrow, whatever it might be, because the houses are so far apart. But you come to a house like, you come to a town of Tenafly. I mean, I live on a street, the, the house, the front of the house is 50 foot wide and the houses are five feet apart from each other or 10 feet apart from each other. You simply can't, hunt in a community that's fully developed and very dense, it is simply not safe. Um, now, that doesn't mean I have uh, the solution for the problem in Tenafly. You know, uh, some people have spoken about the issue of, well, let's, uh, you know, let, let the deer eat the particular plants they eat or plant, you know, plant things that the deer don't want to eat. And the problem with some of the plants that the deer don't want to eat they're invasive species uh, because mm. deer are natural to this area. And you put invasive species in, it destroys everything else. And then that affects the squirrels, the chipmunks, the bees, and all the other uh, wildlife and ecology around. So, you know, this is a very complicated, uh, it's a very complicated issue. It uh, is. And, uh, and, and the solution is going to take a while to work through it. Um, so we're going to see what happens. You know, we, D different nature preserves around Bergen County may wind up hunting on their properties over in Englewood and their nature preserve. They put up 10 foot fences and then they somehow got the deer out of the enclosed area uh, with dogs or whatever it was. And now the deer can't get in there. So they're encroaching on all the houses and everyone else's property, you know, so that's, 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 that's part of the problem with it. It's a, um, it's a problem where, you know, the solutions, are um, not acceptable to anyone. Uh, true, and the only way we can uh, we can make a decision is by becoming very informed. And at this point, again, my ignorance is vast. 
but I'm very fortunate to have uh, people of good conscience who have different views, you know, sharing what they base their uh, views on. And uh, you're right, it's a very complex issue, uh, and it's going to take a while uh, to uh, uh, to actually sort through. I went to a meeting earlier today where somebody said that they wouldn't mind if all the deer in Bergen County were murdered just to give it the problem. So that's a very right. extreme right. position. Uh, right. But right. I invited the person to come express that on the show if that's what they truly believed. If, if they want to share why they hold that view, uh, I'd be glad to give them a platform uh, because we really do need to listen to each other. We don't have to agree. We don't have to act upon what we don't agree with. Uh, but it's better if we know what people are thinking and why they're thinking the way they're thinking. Agreed. I agree with that. That's for sure. <laughs> it's, people need to have civil conversations and civil discourse and not just uh, when they're looking in a mirror. That's for sure. Uh, related to deer, also the bear. And uh, I lived in Pennsylvania and in northwestern New Jersey, so bear were fairly common. And as right. long as you did a couple of common sense things, the bear wouldn't bother you. Um, and the bear would stay away. Uh, but it's an education process to, to learn what those things are. And Bergen County, again, is, is much more crowded uh, than some of the places where I've lived. Well, you know, you know, I read stories about bears in Bergen County, and um, you know, there's again, it's another issue with multiple sides. One of the most disturbing things I read, though, on a consistent level, is the way people feed bears, uh, treat them as if they're some sort of wild pet. You know, they get yes. out of their cars to take pictures of them. You know, bears are dangerous animals they're predators they're much stronger than humans and frankly uh you know you, you it borders on disrespect for the animal yeah i have pets we have a dog we have a cat i love my dog i love my cat but i have a high degree of respect for apex predators like bears as a general yes. rule i don't think we should be killing apex predators um you know, unless they become, you know, deadly to humans in, 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 in singular instances. But on the other side of the coin, people have to have a great deal of respect and a certain amount of fear for the bear, because frankly, if the bears get used to being around humans, that's really a disservice to the bears. They need yes, to be is. out in the wild. They need to be afraid of humans so that we stay away from them. You know, I had a, I knew someone once who was a, a bear hunter, he used to hunt up in the northwestern United States or wherever he was. And uh, he, he told me the story. He goes, bears can't smell, the, can't stand the smell of humans. But, you know, because we're, we, we, you know, we're, they don't like how we smell. Probably we uh -huh. wouldn't like how they smell if they got too close for us, to us. But, but they get over that when humans feed the bears. And, again, that becomes very disrespectful to the animal. And then the animal gets themselves in trouble, uh, and, that's, and that's unfortunate to see. You have to keep your garbage lids covered. You know, don't get out of the car and take pictures of them, and don't treat them like Smokey the Bear. They're not. They're deadly. Uh, yes, they are. And uh, as you pointed out, they are apex predators. And part of our problem is uh, that uh, as a society, we, we try to eliminate the apex predators, and there's nothing to replace them. Uh, so animals who are eaten by apex predators all of a sudden, you know, become a problem where before they might not have been. Yeah, I, you know, I go back to the issue of you have to have respect for the bears and respect them enough to leave them alone 
and uh, we do our best to keep them in their environment and away from our environment. Um, it's kind of like, you know, uh, people who go into cages in the ocean and tempt white sharks. Yes. You know, I don't, you know, of course, there's some people who like that, whatever. But to me, is you're tempting fate and you're being disrespectful to the white shark. Just leave the animal alone. It's in its environment. And I'm going to stay inside the boat and take pictures of it from where it's safe. <laughs> Wise course of action. And you mentioned <laughs> dogs. <laughs> you mentioned well, we dogs. Have, we, we have a dog. You know, our dog, Brantley, he's a member of the family. He's a rescue. We've had him since January. He, uh, he came up from uh, Alabama, from a rescue uh, facility in Alabama. So we call him, you know, he's the only member of the household who's a redneck, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> but, that's a, but that's okay. We like him. We love him. <laughs> We have a new dog, too. Our, our Chihuahua, Zena, uh, expired and uh, left a big hole in our heart. Sorry to so hear that, of course. It, it happens. We, we lose members yep. of the family, be they human or animal. or you know. yep. um, But uh, uh, we got her from a rescue as well in Ramapo. And, Very nice. Uh, uh, an awesome, awesome dog. She's five years old, and she's already become you know like a, a vital person in our uh a small family. She gets along with the cats. She gets along with everybody very loving. And, uh, um, you know, so uh, we love her. Zena, we couldn't bring to a dog park, though. She was way too tiny. But uh, Nebula, which is what her name is, we're looking forward to uh, um, bringing to the dog park. So I haven't been to the mayor and council meetings for a while. So I figured I'd ask, uh, how's it going with the dog park? So the dog park is stumbling forward. It's two steps forward, one step back. Um, and really what's happened is we found a location over uh, on River Ridge and Foster Road, and we have a, a group of residents over on Foster Road, probably about 20 or 30 different residents, who are very upset that the dog park is going there. Um, noise, parking, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards, and uh, they're asking us to put it somewhere else. And at the last council meeting last week, we decided to spend a couple of weeks looking into putting the dog park over on Grove Street by the old pool where there's two acres of land uh, that is not being used. And uh, we have plans to develop that two acres into a park into itself or a field. And uh, why not put the dog park over there where it's out of everyone's way? So we're going through the process right now of doing our due diligence both pieces of land, both locations are owned by the borough. There's no cost of acquiring the land. The cost of putting up the fences and the water fountains uh, are the same everywhere, you know, in both locations because both locations have water and electric. So there is no additional cost, and we can actually um, get it built at the new location on Grove Street almost as fast as the one on Forster, maybe two or three weeks behind schedule. And so um, we've been looking at that with our borough engineer and the DPW director, uh, Bob Colbert, over the past two weeks. And uh, we should have a sense by the next council meeting of what, uh, what we may, in fact, do. That is extremely awesome. And uh, from what I've been able to gather, uh, the uh, um, infrastructure with the roads and the planting of trees and the increase of gardens is also proceeding apace. Oh, absolutely. Uh, our, road per, our, our road program for this spring, 
uh, has uh, has been fully underway, and most of the roads that we're getting newly paved are done, except, of course, for Piermont. And we accomplished it earlier in the year rather than what we used to do later in the year because we basically floated a temporary bond in front of our budget uh, over the winter to make sure we, we did the roads early so that you wouldn't spend the summer on potholes on those roads. They would be paved for the summer in four months. And then Piermont Road, um, we should be starting construction imminently. What the hold up there was, we were waiting for the railroad owner, CSX, to come to the table with their engineers uh, to give the different uh, permissions that we need from them to pave the parking lots over there, to work on the railroad property, that sort of thing. And CSX, we're happy to say, along with the New Jersey Department of Transportation engineers, came into Borough Hall yesterday to go over their detailed punch list of the things the borough has to do. And CSX came in with a 25-page typewritten punch list of the details of getting this done. I mean, literally, the planning for it and the bureaucracy has taken two years, and the road will be paved in six weeks. That's how ridiculous that situation is. But uh, we're all going to be much happier once Piermont is paved. Oh, most certainly so. And uh, um, again, a lot of people don't take into account how long it takes for something uh, to happen. And uh, the things that are happening now, I remember them uh, being uh, in conversation form for years uh, since that first come to Tenafly. Uh, and now, you know, these things are not let go of. They're not uh, forgotten. People aren't breaking promises. It just takes a while uh, to do things right. Well, there's a lot of moving parts now. So we were given for Piermont Road a $600,000 grant from the state. And mm-hmm. um, if, if we had chosen to say, the heck with it, full steam ahead, we're going to do this ourselves, you know, four or five months ago, we could have done that and we would have lost the grant from the state and the tenant fly taxpayers would have had to pay the full $600,000 to pave that. So, you know, there's decisions behind the decisions. Uh, for instance, uh, next year we're going to be doing, uh, next, next spring of 2020, uh, we'll be doing upgrades to the walkways around the tennis courts. You know, there'll be, you know, paved walkways. There'll be walkways going to Griffin Park, both the upper and lower walkway to make it accessible, uh, you know, for, for handicap accessible um, sort of thing. And we've applied for those grants. We're given the grants but we're not going to have the money for 10 or 12 months because that's how long the process from the state works. And that is uh, tax dollars from the state that, that is coming back from Tenafly that we don't have to, we don't have to take it out of the Tenafly taxpayers property awesome. tax uh, money. Right. And so we plan these things. Everything is a year, six months, a year, two years uh, in advance, you know, in this budget this year, we ordered three, uh, I think we talked about this, three recycling yeah. trucks. They're kind of the one on bandits like Englewood has. So we go from three people per truck to one per truck so we can take those extra DPW workers and put them on, you know, pothole repair, beautifying the parks, that sort of thing. So we, we, it's in this year's budget. Uh, it, takes, um, uh, it takes a year to a year and a half once we order it for the trucks to actually show up in Tenafly. So your uh, three to four month cycle in the budget process, 18 months, it's almost two years to get 
to get one and a half million dollars worth of trucks here that are specialty built for a specialty purpose. So you have to plan ahead. Oh, most certainly so. And people are reacting to the news. Uh, I have actually gotten um, several calls from uh, uh, folks who are uh, seniors, uh, and they're having a difficult time uh, moving their recyclables to their front lawns now. Uh, And uh, they're very concerned about uh, these changes and how they'll be able to, uh, um, you know, basically comply with the uh, recycling regulations. So, uh, we're keeping a list uh, of uh, who has that concern and looking into what can be done now and uh, what should be done in the future when these things become a reality. So, you know, so that's a, we, we talked about this at a recent council meeting also, that this is a 100% valid concern. The recycling bins come in, uh, you know, small, medium, and large, uh, different sizes. Obviously, the smaller one is going to be lighter and easier. But even with that, we will have some seniors who still uh, will physically be unable to move them. And, uh, and frankly, we're going to have to deal with that. Uh, we'll have to establish a set of criteria, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, age-based, uh, physical strength, whatever it might be, uh, we, will, um, we will make sure people who struggle to get their recyclables to the street will be taken care of. You know, the same way we're continuing our rear yard trash pickup um, and we can, you know, we will make exceptions for seniors who uh, have a hard time with that. Now, if, uh, you know, some of my personal buddies decide that they want their garbage, you know, their recycling picked up and they make a claim for that, uh, well, they're going to be denied because we're we're (laughs) able-bodied and uh, we're able to get it done. So we're going to put criteria in there to make sure the only people who will get that special treatment are people who physically um, need that help. And uh, that is awesome. And uh, again, we're blessed living in Tenafly because uh, uh, people, despite their differences, do genuinely care. And uh, despite their different viewpoints, do try to make the best uh, uh, decisions uh, for everybody. We even have now a new senior coordinator uh, who's been on the job for a while, and uh, she's been increasing the outreach to folks who aren't connected to our community, who don't or can't connect. Uh, so that is a very awesome uh, thing. I remember when uh, that was first being proposed, seniors had kind of like mixed feelings about it. Uh, some thought it would be good. Some thought it would be a, an intrusion into their privacy. So uh, I'm very glad that there was some resolution and moving forward with that. Oh, no, you know, sometimes you have to, uh, uh, the seniors of, of all the groups in town, um, the seniors, they're, they're not, they don't like rapid change. Uh, they want, they, they, the seniors love the senior center. We respect that. And um, when we make changes to the senior center, we move slow. We took our time getting the senior bus. Uh, we took our time getting uh, the, the individual in there who helps the seniors, you know, navigate Social Security and insurance issues, that sort of social work. And you introduce these things a little bit of a time and uh, you hope that it works out and you alter course when, you know, as you're doing something and you figure out, well, if I do more of this, it works better. And if I do less of that, that's a good thing. And that, that's what we do. We adjust as we go along. And, uh, frankly, there is no rush to get a lot of the things done in the senior center. We do it at the pace that the seniors are comfortable with. 
And, and that's a very uh, good thing. Um, one of the uh, um, services that uh, has uh, come to Tenafly is the uh, van. And we had talked about this on one of the earlier shows that uh, people beyond seniors were requesting if they could use uh, the van, like let's say somebody who has a disability uh, and needs to get to a medical appointment. Um, has there been any movement on that? Okay, so if a senior wants to make an appointment to take the van uh, from their home to the doctor, you know, whether in uh, Englewood or Oradell or Tenafly, uh, they can absolutely, they're able to schedule, an individual is able to schedule that, and the van will take them there. Now, that's for a doctor's appointment. The one thing that we have not changed yet is the van, the driver of the van, you, you, you must be able to get on the van on your own. If you, come okay. with your own. if you come with your own aid, that's fine as long as the aid stays with you to your destination. But the, the bus itself and the bus driver is not equipped to help people uh, on the bus. Now, we've had the senior van for about two years, and uh, I'm not making any promises here, but I think the uh-huh. natural, ev- natural evolution of the senior bus will, be at, at a, will reach a point where we will be able to have drivers who are qualified to help individuals on the bus. Um, we're not there yet. Uh, the ridership is increasing, so the usage is increasing. That's all good news, and it's, it's just one step at a time. You know, everything, uh, everything requires tax money and resources, so, uh, you know, we're a little cautious of what we, you know, we want to jump in feet first, not just the whole body at once. Awesome. And our time is nearing its end. I want to thank you very much for being an awesome guest and a great uh, friend. And I want to also thank you for being part of uh, the leadership in our community, uh, because our community is indeed a caring community, one that listens uh, to its citizens and gets things done that benefit all. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Hercules, and thank you for having me on again. I very much appreciate it, and uh, have a great night. You too. Take good care. All right. Bye. Bye. Uh, we're going to listen to Bone Poach Orchestra's Evolve, and then we'll be back with the Sussex Report, hosted by Astrid.
no, I will not remain a thief. I have seen it with my eyes. Seen that all religion lives by a steady trade in lies. They try to hold us back with rains of holy smoke. But I am here to say we will not bear the
Invictus, and we had some technical difficulties, which have now uh, hopefully resolved themselves. Uh, our next segment is the Sussex Report, hosted by Astrid, uh, in which I'm honored to be a guest. Greetings and welcome, Astrid. Greetings and welcome, Hercules. I am greatly looking forward to getting an update on Sussex County and also learning more about the elements in the environment. Sure, and we're going to start with Sussex County. We'll do a little bit of a um, continuum of last week. We talked a little bit okay. about about the Karen Ann Quinlan Hospice Center and the Butterfly Release, and we talked about some of the programs we have. We will be having Jennifer on in about a month to discuss all the the fundraising activities they're doing, and they're highly varied. But I do want to mention that, um, in a little recap here, that they have an excellent coping with loss support groups, and they have a monthly schedule. Now, June is actually almost over, but I do want to say that they have them specifically for the newly bereaved only, all bereaved, and then those that have pet loss. So they have a pet loss support group as well, and they have these in different locations. So uh, one location is the uh, Bereavement Center on Plains Road in Augusta. Mm-hmm. which is not far from the fairgrounds. And another one is their bereavement center on Washington Street in Hackettstown. Also, they do training sessions for people who would like to work with um, uh, in the bereavement center and just with the hospice patients. So if you're interested in donating some of your time and, and you feel great compassion for the people that are that are uh, utilizing their services or the families directly, you can contact the Karen Ann Quinlan Hospice Center by going to their website, which is KarenAnnQuinlanHospice.org. And you can also um, contact them by phone. And I'm looking, there's so many phone numbers here. Um, (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Um, I'm looking at another the care group, uh, caregiver support group as well, and it says here you can call 973-581-1800. That's for the Memory Cafe. The Bereavement Facilitator Training Workshops, you can call Nancy at 973-948-2283. But probably the best thing to do, because they have so many different uh, aspects to their uh, center and what they do is go right to their website and, and see what they're offering and, and the fundraising events. And I know they're doing a 50-50, which benefits those that buy the tickets, if you win, and uh-huh. also the, the center as well. So so just a little follow-up with that. that. That is awesome, and those are important uh, services. Here we have the uh, JCC uh um, and uh, the Jewish Community Center, the oh, yeah, that's chaplain on the Palisades. Right. And they do uh, a lot of this, you know, with bereavement counseling, and they have uh, uh, caregiver support groups, and they're addressing things like uh, younger onset uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm. And it, it's really so important because it's a very difficult thing to go through. Most definitely. And my first aspect here to talk about in the, that's very newsworthy is there is something called the um, Project Lifesaver. And it's dealing with Sussex County. They, they basically help the caregivers for individuals with Alzheimer's, dementia, autism, Down syndrome, or related cognitive disorders. 
And Project Lifesaver involves something called Safety Net by LoJack. It's a tracking system. So uh-huh. what they do is it's basically the Sussex County Sheriff's Office that's involved with this. And they have a tracking system which assists law enforcement in quickly locating individuals who wandered away. It's actually implemented nationwide by 1,000 agencies. So wow. um, they reduce search time from days down to a matter of um, 20, 30 minutes. And uh, I think that's amazing because I've known people, you know, personal friends of mine who've had uh, their relatives in facilities where they've wandered off. Can you imagine? But, oh, uh, yes, I can imagine. Yeah. But people that are living at home that have taken taken it upon themselves, that, that very hard task of um, dealing with a relative that has this, and and people, I'm sure most people would love to do this, but they work or they don't have the energy. And, and you know, it's it's not an easy thing, as you well know. Yes. It's very, very hard. And, and, and having someone wander off is a frightening thing. I can remember as a, um, a young child, uh, my parents going up on a, on a Saturday asking me to watch Grandpa, and he had a, a head injury. And at this point, the man was in his 80s, and he basically always stayed in the house, and I stayed in there with him until my parents came home. But one day, he wandered off. And the fear and terror that I had as a child, oh, of course. you know, and going to the driveway looking, I wasn't allowed to go past the driveway on my own. And my parents came home. I was hysterical. My dad would go driving around looking for him, and he just wandered off. And uh, it took him a while with a car to find him. So I can see where something like this would be such a um, such an ease on, on family members, caregivers' minds. And uh, it's they they basically just not only do that, but they make sure that they um, contact the caregivers and know how to uh, utilize the system, how to check to make sure it's working. They visit people with the transmitters every 60 days to replace batteries and make sure it's working properly, which is a big thing, you know, because what good is it if it's not working properly? Right. And uh, so there they go. And, and they said, if need be, they will actually deploy ATVs, helicopters, bloodhounds for the search. And most of the time they find them within, they said, like a quarter to a half of a mile where they were wandering. So that's a great thing. And um, for further information, if you're interested, or if you know someone that might be, you can contact um, Project Lifesaver at 973 579-0850. I'm looking at the websites as you speak. Mm. And Project Life Saver in New Jersey. It's scary. I remember when my grandfather, my father's father, was uh, still alive. Uh, he had uh, dementia. And uh, back then they weren't diagnosing these things. Uh, no. No. Uh, and uh, he used to wander off. And uh, uh, luckily, I, I used to walk a lot, so I used to find him, like sometimes sure. miles away from the, his house, sure. uh, crossing the streets. And uh, he didn't know who he was, and he didn't know who I was, but he knew that he recognized me. Uh, so he'd go with me, and I'd bring him home and cook him bacon or <laughs> things he liked, you know. Something to, cook, to ease his mind. Right, right. 
Well, you know, and, and besides that, I, I've also um, had situations with friends. And as we live longer, you know, more and more of us that are dealing with dementia situations, and some of them in the beginning may not seem that bad, but you have to be very acutely aware of yeah. what's going on, paying attention. Uh, I've had friends where their relatives were still driving, and all of a sudden, have, and I understand that that's the last freedom right that 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 uh people have as they get older and they don't want that taken away but when you're three states away and you call up a relative and say where am i right or when you're driving and you can endanger the lives of others as well as your own it's definitely time to start talking about taking the keys and the car away that's another issue you know that, that people, is another issue it's it's frightening because you don't want to do that. You love your family. You don't want to to make them feel that they have no um, independence. But then there comes a point where you have to think about their their safety and the safety of others. Right. Um, and uh, when I went to a support group uh, to try to understand what was happening, uh, when my family member you know was developing dementia, it was very extreme type of things. You hear somebody who. Uh, uh, has been my life from the very beginning, and uh, the, the behavior was, like, really scary sometimes. And so I went to a support group and saw that what I thought was extreme and uncommon was actually uh, very common. But some people uh, wouldn't take the car away, and there were horror stories of uh, people driving with dementia and, you know, forgetting where they were, forgetting that they were driving a car and, and causing accidents. And, sure. and people were reluctant to take the keys away because they were afraid of uh, taking away what last shreds of freedom the person had. Exactly. And if you love them, you can do to. it for them. It, it's, a, it's understandable when it comes to the point. It's, it's no different with a child that goes by the stove. You know, yes, you want them to be creative and learn, but at the same time not hurt themselves. So, now, um, interesting program. In my uh, in the previous segment with Mark Sinna, uh, we were talking about the, some of the services the Tenafly offers to seniors, and we now have a senior coordinator, and uh, part of her uh, responsibility is to reach out to uh, seniors that are isolated, because some seniors you know are very independent. And by car, by walking, they go to the senior center, they go to uh, free exercise programs. There's, you know, there's a lot to keep uh, seniors sure. uh, busy, regardless of their uh, economic uh, uh, standing at this point uh, in their lives. But some people like stay home, and uh, you know, you don't know what's going on with them. Are they okay? You know, and uh, right, uh, they don't right. have anybody in their family to check up on them. And people are busy, like you said. So, the, yeah, their neighbors don't always uh, yeah, keep track of them either. No, but, we uh, mentioned that even with, you know, the snowstorms and power outages. You mm -hmm. just check on your neighbors. And I have to say, you know, the community I live in, Sussex County, is, is um, extremely uh, supportive. And, and someone now within our community um, just um, – she's losing her battle with cancer, so she's signed up with hospice and everything. And she's home. And um, – the neighbors are amazing. Everybody is chipping in to go in to see how she's doing, to keep her company, uh, read a book. You know, I thought I was going to go to read books, but I'm hearing how many books that she's uh, been, re been reading and right. read to her. I think I'm going to vary and talk a little bit about childhood and growing up and, and ask her about her childhood and, and relate some funny stories and get her to laugh. <laughs> That's always a good thing. 
Definitely, definitely. And, you know, it's also great to think back of, of all the things that, that did uh, come along in your lifetime that you can laugh about now. Maybe they weren't so funny then. <laughs> um, as children, <laughs> I'm sure we all have quite a few tales to tell. Uh, another interesting thing I've seen is that there was a legislative panel this week that passed a resolution recognizing the significant contributions of the Special Olympics for, as oh, athletes, awesome. families, and the community at large. So now this resolution is going to head to the assembly floor. And, and I think that's wonderful because uh, as a teacher, in the beginning of my years, I was very actively involved with the spec ed department, and I was um, one of the volunteers that would go on these trips to the Special Olympics. Uh, and it was unbelievable, the excitement the fun, the energy generated, and it's just so supportive and, and has everyone coming together for ha- just to have a good time and to be acknowledged as an athlete in their own right. It's wonderful. Yes. So that's Assemblyman Eric Peterson, who was a prime sponsor of this resolution. And uh, the Special Olympics in New Jersey serves more than 25,000 athletes across the state. I thought that's wonderful. Wow. And it's a so large there's global a lot of good program. Going on. Yeah, and this and, and again, this is not just limited to Sussex County or New Jersey or the United States. There is it's global. The scope of the organization organization is huge. Uh so I think that's wonderful. And they, and from what this one article says is that the healthy Healthy Athletes Initiative, which conducts free health examinations, examinations, is the largest global public health program dedicated to serving individuals with intellectual disabilities. Wow. Yeah, and you know that these are the things you want to hear. That there are programs that are there for people, and also programs that uplift people. And that that is so possible. It takes so little to uh, bring positive energy into your uh, um, you know daily existence. You know to make somebody's life a little bit uh, uh, more pleasant or a little bit easier. Small things, but if we made it a habit of doing them, uh, the quality of our lives would improve uh, dramatically. Most definitely. I remember, it had to be a few years back, I was walking, walking along a Branchville, and I noticed this little box. It looked like a giant bird house. It really did. And it had little doors, and, a, and you look in, and they're library books. And I was amazed. I'm like, what is this? And it was a little cute note, and it said something to the effect that, please feel free to take one of these books, read it, pass it along, return it, or bring back another book in its place. Mm-hmm. And I said, what is this little book, little book center here? And what it is, is it is called the Little Free Library. Uh, there was something in the paper about that, that in Sparta, the Helen Morgan School unveiled a Little Free Library on their grounds, and it was donated by the Girl Scouts. Wow, we we recently had one of those in uh, Tenafine School near the bus stop. You know, people can take that books for free, they can return them, or they can trade them for books that they don't want. What a great location! <laughs> you know, that is amazing. And uh, what happened here basically is a school media specialist who was a scout, and and then a, a little kid there who was a self-proclaimed bookworm got involved with um, a troop of dedicated girls. They sold nearly 700 boxes of cookies, 
And with the uh, support of the administration and the staff, they decided to work with their troop to um, get the funds with, after they raised this money and build one of these boxes. They purchased materials. They spent hours building it, painting, decorating it. And now it is actually registered in the little free library system. And I was unaware that this as well is worldwide. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I was unaware that it was worldwide. I know that the custom um, was in Europe before it was here. I remember when I travel and uh, you would go to like Italy or Greece and, you know, you'd be in a youth hostel or, in, you know, wherever you were. And uh, there were always like shelves where they had books. And I found some really great books uh, there, and uh, yeah, whatever books you didn't want. And I, and since I used to read a lot, I always had books with things some of whom I finished. So if it wasn't something I wanted to reread again, I'd leave them in exchange. Uh, and they had like a little uh, coin thing that if you didn't have a book to exchange, you could like leave some money. And nice. uh, it was a great thing. Right. So if anybody is interested in knowing more about the little free libraries that are worldwide or in their locality, you can visit www.littlefreelibrary.org. <laughs> that is just so cool. And uh, also, now that the weather is getting nicer, we have the farmer's markets that open up in Sussex County. Now, uh, I'm sure most people know that Sussex County, they know the fairgrounds, and every year they have that one open. And that's basically open on, I think it's Sundays. Let me look here now. Um, no, that's Saturday, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. every Saturday. And they have um, a Facebook page or the website. And you can go to the website, www.sussexcountyfarmersmarket.com. And there you can go to buy organic products. And you can also support your local business, your local businesses. Like there are basically farms with free-range free organic eggs. They have the little honey um, different farms that have their own honey. They raise their honey. They have bot the bottled honey there. Um, all kinds of things, baked goods, um, homemade creamy goat's milk soap and hand creams from a farm. So it's amazing what you can find at these places. So that is the one that most of us are familiar about. And there also is another one now that's opened up, which is the weekly farmer's market, and that is in Lafayette. And in Lafayette Village, and most people know that to be that uh, uh, whole little group of stores there that's being renovated. Yes. It's like a village, actually. It is a village. And that is uh, that debuted uh, just recently, and that is being coordinated by uh, the Olsons of the Honey and Spice form. And they have um, Patty Singer who has a market there, and that's on Sundays from 2:30, uh, 10.30 to 3 p.m. until November. So, actually, you can spend your whole weekend at these places. You can go from one to the other. <laughs> Oh, you certainly can. And uh, whenever we're up uh, um, by uh, the Ember Dragon uh, in uh, Sussex County, uh, we always go from place to place to place. It's like a, a wonderful place to explore, and uh, it has all sorts of interesting places to, to shop and to meet people. Mm, definitely, definitely. And Chapter 106 and now has an amendment. The Senate passed that. I'm not sure if many people are aware of it, but there was this whole big uh, fiasco concerning Cranberry Lake. 
and dues and mandatory membership based upon a statute of 106. But um, the residents fought it. They basically had a vote on it, and they passed Bill S3661, which is Amendment to Chapter 106 of the Planned Real Estate Development Full Disclosure Act. And basically, they did not, you cannot force memberships to homeowners joining an association that were not designated as so prior to the 2017th Amendment. So they now will not have to pay. They will not be forced to join a homeowners association and pay. How they work the uh, goings-on required by lake communities, I'm not sure, because um, many of, of our lake communities up here are homeowner associations that when you purchase the home, if you're on the lake or in a lake community, you have to buy shares. And this is, and, and pay dues, yearly dues. And that is what keeps the lake maintained, checking the lake to make sure it's safe and clean, and also any kind of of um, maintenance that needs to be done. And, of course, there is the very costly lake insurance, because when you have a body of water, you must yes. have lake insurance. So it would be interesting to know how they how they manage that without having the dues or a an association. Would it be taxes or no. contributions? No, I'm going to look into that more. But because they never had dues before and had been committed to a Lake Association uh, committee uh, membership, they just fought the fact that they would have to do it, being it wasn't in their their own little – it's not in in their their, um, constitution. They don't have a constitution related to the upkeep and the maintenance of it. When you buy a home – if you're buying it on a lake, you're you get the constitution of the lake and the rules and and such. And if there's a, a dam and the maintenance of the dam, and so uh, yeah, it would be interesting. I'm going to look into more how they do manage to do it. So th- there's all these things happening in uh, such County. Yeah, there's little technicalities, little technicalities of life. Uh, I know that our Josh Godheimer brought up a. Uh, is pushing to have our gateway funded and talking about the um, the importance of our our transportation. So basically he's making a case for the House and the Senate to pass this bill quickly to ensure that the gateway moves forward. And um, it's bipartisan, and it's backed by Godheimer, who is um, in, in the 5th District. And in terms of, of moving it forward, including it in the fiscal year 2020 transportation, housing, and urban development appropriations bill. So this should be interesting to see what happens here. But he has been a real proponent in terms of uh, funding something that's fair and using the federal loans, which the states are required not to pay back, that they do not count as, as part of the federal share of the project. So okay. we shall see. And he's going on and on about, um, you know, the study of it. And, and he did a lot of lot of research in terms of the Regional Plan Association, what a negative impact it would be on our national economy as well as our public health in terms of cutting the capacity, you know, of the of a tunnel. And, and then talking about the um, – even if one of the tracks were to be forced down, shut down within the next decade, it would cut the capacity by 75%. 
from 24 trains per hour to six. And talking about how how the tunnel was damaged during Superstorm Sandy. Interesting. Very interesting. So that program. Yeah, and that program, what most people say, well, what is it? Well, they would build new floodproof tunnels under the Hudson River. And that's one of the most important transportation zones going. And it's not just a regional one, as he says, but a national one. Of course, it impacts so many people, not just the people in the immediate area. Oh, very true. I, I, I don't know if I shared this with you, but we're, Nick Curdo. Uh, yes, I remember host, you, Nick. Yes. Yes, he's going to be uh, hosting a new political segment uh, about New York politics. Ah. And uh, he's going to have a mayoral candidate on as his first uh, guest uh, for the next uh, you know, election. So uh, we're off to a good start there. And uh, wow. our picture is going to become larger because right now we have Bergen County, we have uh, Sussex County, we have Northern sure. New Jersey, uh, we have Patterson. Uh, now we're going to have uh, New York into the mix too. So it'll be very interesting. Wonderful. Uh, and eventually I could see you having Pennsylvania and Connecticut. We're in for it. <laughs> yeah, because so many people commute back and forth. And, um, and, and, and these are things that are important, just, you know, the effect that it has is amazing, not just in the people in the media community or area, but their long-range effects. And uh, I, I, let's move on to bigger and better things and look a little bit at New Jersey in the sense that people have been rallying for Murphy's tax plan in terms of inclusion of the millionaire's tax. And, uh, yeah. I mean, basically the bill being pushed by Sweeney to balance the budget um, is very detrimental to the school systems, to union arbitration. I don't think people are aware of all the things that are within this bill, taking away the right to arbitrate, um, also um, lowering down the benefits. Uh, most people don't realize that the public employees under Christie paid an unbelievable amount of money into their health insurance, and it's based upon the amount of years you work. The more years you work the more you pay of a percentage. You would be paying more irregardless if you paid a flat percent. But right. you make it go up a good 17%, you know, where people are paying close to 37% of, their, of the benefit. And uh, people would say, oh, well, you know, they have such a great plan. Let them get it cut down. Most people are unaware of the fact that Teachers did not make a lot of money, and the raises right. were minimal, and you are expected to continue your education and go to workshops and do certain things. And as a result, there were, I remember getting raises of maybe $100 a year, sometimes $300 a year. until Oh, that's like no money. That's a raise. And what they would say to you is, you're going to get it in your benefits. And all the, the one thing that teachers did have, no matter where you were, in terms of what district, because some got paid more, some got paid less, depending on the uh, the district's uh, bargaining leverage or or what the district had, and how large a district was, was that you had benefits. And now they're looking to take that away. Uh, already, they've been paying more and more into retirement plan. Your retirement plan has been cut even more, and uh, now you're saying that when you did retire, you do retire, you're not going to get this, you're not going to get that. Uh, I'm wondering what 
Sweeney would get in terms of his retirement benefits and yeah, that, and how many pensions. Because if you're an educator, if you're a public employee, you are not allowed to work for another system within your state in terms of the pension. You can't collect the pension and go and work for another school system. And that exists the same in any of the pensions if you're a policeman or fireman. But a politician is allowed to get quite a few pensions. Right. And they have the Cadillac of insurance coverage. So I find it interesting that he's so quick to do that. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that NJEA did not endorse him because he was working with um, Christie at that time to pass 78, which is the amount of money that we had to pay into the benefits. Oh, no, that had nothing to do with this. But uh, many people say, well, why should the millionaires pay? Well, interesting article in the paper gave the details and breakdown of the number of people earning $1 million or more in New Jersey. It is the fastest-growing segment of New Jersey earners. People do leave, but usually they're leaving at retirement to go down south, to Arizona, wherever, to join their families that have moved. But New Jersey replaces them and adds more. Since the recession in 2009, the total, total of people earning $1 million or more has almost doubled. Wow. And, yeah. and that is an important issue. I'd like to focus on in a future episode. Unfortunately, we're at the end of our uh, journey oh, we're ready. Oh, so that I can't even talk about the, the Norcross situation and the tax break. But well, well, hold on a second. I will the, hold uh, on to that. Hold, hold on to it, and, and let me wait a second. Bill is on the other line, so let me uh, quickly uh, talk to Bill, and maybe we can get to that uh, today. Hello, Bill. Bill? Okay, Her- whoop, Hercules? Hello. Hi, Bill. How are you? Pretty good. I've been listening to you, and I've been listening to Astrid. Uh, everything Astrid's she said is true. I'm still here, Bill. We're having panel difficulties today uh, with uh, uh, the panel acting very wonky. So uh, would you like uh, Astrid to stay, uh, and we can continue Go this uh, conversation stay. together? I, 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 I just want to comment what she said, if it's okay, okay. with Astrid. Oh, let's continue a little. <laughs> I know him real well uh, because uh, in 1993, I ran for the assembly, and I had uh, Congressman Andrews from the 1st District come up, who seemed like a decent young congressman who got messed up with Norcross, whose brother now, or cousin now, serves in the legislature. Mm. It's not only Norcross. It's DiFrancenzo, Joe D, they call him. Oh, yes. I'm very aware of their connection. Yes. Yeah. And Mm. there's also the thing. Let me give you an example of how bad the system is. We got an assemblyman. He didn't like me, uh, except when I praised him and did things for him. How works? 
used to be the commissioner of labor. Here's a guy who uh, uh, worked as a freeholder, maybe. I don't know how hard he worked. Uh, wound up, uh, uh, he's now in the assembly. He, uh, uh, he served as commissioner of labor. That's $150,000 job for eight years. Uh, no particular credits to have that job, no, no thing. And he serves on a for-profit bank. Now, that's got to be illegal to me. Now, oh, I told here we go back to first, ethics again. Yes, ethics. It's, it sure is. And I told it to uh, a guy named um, Gary Gisano. I grew up with him. He's now the surrogate. Okay, yes. He's been a freeholder. Uh, he's been in the uh, legislature. And he, too, has a couple of pensions. And, uh, and he's mostly, I, I think he's had a, part, a job outside government. But all these guys are getting paid extra, and I'm particular. I worked 43 years in government. I earned every dollar, bought my own equipment. I went all across the country doing right. research projects, and uh, I had a staff that worked with me, and I had a boss before me, and we worked hard, and we helped companies, and we helped people. And then I came to Sussex County uh, with Senator Littell's help after a fire, and uh, I won awards four or five uh, years with the Chamber of Commerce, one with the uh, Rotary as a non-member and uh, Sussex County's best um, friend, whatever it is, uh, Sussex County Tech, a whole bunch of uh, audits. But I ran across Hal Wirtz, which is a, a really nasty, rotten guy. And nobody's going to challenge him on these things. And maybe ask her, you can bring this up to the party. If they really want to win, go after this guy. He's been a professional politician collecting salaries and then future pensions all along. Which it's amazing. You know, it's amazing. And, you know, this and goes on to everywhere. Now, how do you – this is very interesting what's going on, you know, within our state with, with – and, again, Norcor is trying to flex his muscles because of this investigation with this tax break extension – you know, mega money involved with the controversial Grow New Jersey Assistance and Economic Redevelopment Plan, and they're set to expire in July. And he's saying, you know, we really need to look at this because of all the money involved and things that are looking a little shady. And, of course, now there's a study, and, of course, you know, the, he looked to block it, having the truth come out. Well, I think it's very interesting how you can um, decide you don't want the information to come out, so you block it, saying it's not fair. Well, uh, the judge bo- uh, ruled against him. It's coming out. So this task force contention is that it's coming out, and they're going to determine whether to extend two EDA tax incentive programs. And um, it's beyond belief what goes on. And we start talking about tax incentives. I'm sure you remember, because I sure do, that it was wonderful to have all these car dealerships come, you know, and large corporations come into Sussex County because they kept the rateables down. You know, they pay taxes. I have a very hard time understanding why you would give a tax break, and I'm not talking a little one, but million dollars, and in the cases of, like, Amazon, uh, billions of dollars, they won't pay taxes well to bring jobs. Well, I think the government should be held accountable for this. Taxpayers right. like you and I should not have to pay, but pick up their tab for taxes, and they bring jobs in, excuse me, majority of the jobs brought in 
are part-time jobs. And we touched upon that at last week's segment with Amazon and Google. And Google, more than half of the employees are part-time workers paid an hourly wage, including people with doctorates. Maybe a company in Newton. I, 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 forgot, I forgot the name. I brought them a, a check years ago, uh, the one that's expanding, building a second or third building. Uh, what the heck's the name of it? Um, they bring in even their high-tech workers who pay low wages. In other words, Is this LabCorp? You're talking about LabCorp yes. now? Yes they're, yes. they're expanding like crazy. And, you know, uh, if engineers come out of Stevens, they're paid – Sure. Not great wages, uh, or or uh, the other one, Newark, and uh, Newark's uh, the one in Newark. NJIT, uh, yeah. We've tried to, in the past. I tried to get uh, uh, schools like um, our uh, like Sussex Tech, Passaic Tech, Warren Tech to do some training for workers to upgrade their skills. You sure. know, they buy people at cheap wages and they don't move them up, and you know. Uh, he, he's uh, give him credit. He's built a, a couple of buildings in in Newton and going for more. But it's all about wages. People can't live on on no. wages. That's and right. So if they're going to talk at tax incentives, you know what I think, Bill? I think it's maybe we the people need to start writing to our 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 representatives and our senators that that are there for us that we place in these positions to say, you need to put a resolution in the bill together. Any kind of aid that's given out at all has to come with a percentage rate of people that are part-time versus full-time and outsourcing. Because you look at these huge corporations, they outsource because they don't want to pay, like Dell and one of them, and uh, sending these jobs overseas because they don't want to pay benefits and don't want to pay a working man's wage in America. That's fit for Americans. And no, I don't. really feel that they, there should be some type of resolution to control that so their profit factors don't go way up while the working Americans can't even survive because their benefits and pay go down. Now, I'm going to give you somebody. Tammy, uh, Tammy over at the Chamber of Commerce. She's the president. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Tammy Horsford. Now, she used to tell me, she used to say, I, wanna, I, I would like to leave New Jersey and join New York State because we don't get any real aid. And part of the problem is our own legislators. I mean, the highway uh, bill that uh, uh, our, our state senator participated in with a, uh, a guy that actually is a state senator that runs a road, comp- road construction company, uh, the guy from Bergen County, uh, that was a bad deal for Sussex County. Because the price of the uh, increase in gas taxes or whatever negatively affects our county. Well, yes, and that was one thing I was vehemently opposed to because majority of people in New Jersey do commute. And if you're in Sussex County, you are commuting an hour at least. If you're commuting and then you put a gas tax on, and, and the reasoning of, of Christie to do that, when we, that was one of the few low things we had in here. We went from, like, I think the second or third lowest of the, of the cost of gas skyrocketing up to the, like in, to the, the high rate. Again. And it's sad. It really is sad. But uh, as we go back to ethics, let's get back on that, because uh, you're talking about how people do these things and they violate the ethics. Um, Richard Boyd well, should move got, on. 
says that there's a, a, a major ethics violation. Um, I'm, I'm sure most people are unaware that Elaine Chow, who is the Secretary of Transportation, oh, her husband is Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky. And look at all the bill. Look how she's helped Chinese companies, not American. She has helped Chinese companies because there's a tie there. And also, she's moving federal grant money to Kentucky. What a surprise because her husband's up for reelection. So that's a definite conflict of interest. And to move on, you know, that, that great uh, email site, uh, it's a great nonprofit, Move On. They have a petition. A petition to uh, to do something about this. There's petitions on credo action in terms of petitioning the EPA to reverse their attitude towards Monsanto's glyphosate. You know why is the EPA doing that? Well, we know where their ties lie. Matter of fact, right now the EPA was at Andrew Wheeler, um, who is very tied to the coal industry was announcing to West Virginia miners and, 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 and um, the coal industry, guess what? We're making a major move. Trump is making a major move now to pull back the Obama days of and you, and you know what the result of, of that climate, is? Climate rule. There goes the affordable clean air. energy. That's right. We're not having clean energy. We're having dirty energy, and we're paying with it with our lungs. And yes. most of those refiners, to tell you the truth, in West Virginia, Kentucky, or Pennsylvania, they're simply blowing up the mines. I mean, you know, they're blowing up the mountains. They're doing right. strip mining, which they I used know. to do out in the West. And the miners are getting chipped. Uh, Trump, who's their president, I guess he's still the president. I don't know if he's sold out. But miners aren't going to – I've seen miners come up to New Jersey to work in the glass industry in South Jersey and in right. West Bergen. And, uh, you know, they're not going back to the mines. No, and and this is not for the miners. I mean, that's just a way to get votes. This is for the coal industry, which he was a lobbyist. So, I mean, there's so many conflicts of interest, and one being, I mean, like this Chow, her husband, and he's the ultimate worst, um, you know, Mitch McConnell as the the Senate Majority Leader, (laughs) he Uh, has held... A hundred bills from going on. The remark by the GOP was like, what have the Democrats done lately? Well, they have proposed and passed a hundred different bills in the House. Bring it to the Senate. He calls himself the Grim Reaper, saying he will not bring them to the floor. That includes H.R. 1, which is the uh, one about uh, controlling the votes. And uh, limiting gerrymandering, gerrymandering and donor money, doing away with super PACs. Um, also, this new bill that's waiting in terms of election security proposals refuses to bring that on the floor in any form. Also, gun control bills, no. paycheck fairness no. bills, Save the Internet Act, violence against women. Reauthorization Act. He's e- he even blocked the House bill in January. I know you'll remember this to reopen the government when they wanted to reopen the government. All those government workers. He mm-hmm. refused refused to bring it to the floor. It was only because Trump, after a while, said, "Okay, we better move on with this." You know, but you know, yeah, this well, is frightening. Every you know, you've got two villains there, and maybe and maybe more because the Republican Party is sitting on its hands. 
in New Jersey, too. Yes. I mean, you talk about voting uh, districts. I mean, Sussex County is gerrymandered poorly in the uh, in in Gottheimer's district, and oh, probably yeah. poorly in, in the uh, in the eleventh district with the the, the, the new the, well, they're both new Congress uh, members, and it, it's never getting better. The assembly district is rigged against Democrats, but like I said, Democrats have to put more people on the ballot and stop. You know, right. at the last minute, I saw. Uh, uh, two people that I know real well, they were said they were on Facebook saying, "Write me in." You don't write in during the, uh, you know that. You get a petition. You need a hundred and some people to put it on. Right, it's not hard to do. Right. And they're standing around asking people to write in, and you know uh, the newspaper picked it up, uh, other people picked it up, and yet the, what the result is, you have no freeholder candidate. Maybe somebody will be right. named later to run, but that's not way, the way to run a party. You have to have a full ticket everywhere. And the state, the state Democrats, they're satisfied with that process because this way they, uh, you know, they throw something. So you've got three mediocre politicians in office in Sussex County. Uh, I, I, I get a kick out of the zoo guy, but uh, he does some wacky things like the Confederate flag. Hal Wirtz has been a per- perennial politician. Uh, That's they, because you know, Bill, people are not voting on ethics and their platform, because if you had seen the freeholder uh, debate the last time around, not this past time, but the last one around, the Democratic candidates were brilliant and had so much uh, information and talked about where they'd like to see the county go, and the other ones were horrific. But because of the fact of, of being uh, knowing the name and and the, the good old boy system, I hate to say it, that's what promotes that. Um, well, they have but, a, a guy behind the scenes, William Winkler, who mm-hmm. masterminds stuff, and he puts up, you know, he puts in ineffective Republicans over and over and over. Then he complains about it. I don't know where he lives. I, I don't even think he lives in Sussex There's County. a method, but there's a method to the bat- madness because the um, Public Citizen, which is another great site was talking about the 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 Koch brothers cash and how they are focusing on universities they are hiring researchers to push the benefits of carbon emission I mean, it is frightening how they are bringing in uh, all of these different things and they're hitting it on every side because you know very well that um that EPA Besides rolling back the Obama climate rule, they changed the different way that they um, um, have, can have this have their board uh, set up, and and that means the reduction of science of scientists. How by saying that if you received this is just recent, if you received any kind of EPA money's grant to do a study. You cannot serve on this board. Well, if you're a scientist and a researcher and, and you're studying it, of course you're going to be using that money to study the way things are done. That way you get the scientists off and you now can put lobbyists and people from the coal industry on. There you go. Again, another violation of ethics. All the way across. Uh there's not much unless the Democrats can make inroads in the Senate, uh, maybe change that the is, rules on lobbying. This, that you know, is the only out. way it's going to happen. That and having people uprising. When I saw what happened in Hong Kong with the youth uprising, saying there is no way we are being extradited to China, 
Well, that's because they'll never be seen again. They'll never be seen again, and they know it. And they just and they are still not going to give up. I mean, these are huge rallies, and they said they're not going. They're going to persist. You know, they made one mistake with with Hong Kong, and the British really were at fault. They should have been a little bit more uh, firm when they released those released that colony to uh, to China. Because China is doing things in uh, Taiwan. They had a president. They have a president there that doesn't want uh, the Chinese to come in and take over. And Most definitely. The people are moving that way. And they're not looking at Hong Kong. Uh, Hong Kong was a purely democratic, uh, you know, city-state, if anything. Sure. And that was under, uh, you know, siege. They, they're out to get that lady out uh, who really sold them down the river. Yes, and hopefully yes. that It's an embarrassment to uh, uh, China. Meanwhile, there's a guy in from uh, uh, Serbia and China, and they're working on some illegal things together, the Serbian leader and the Chinese leader, uh, some kind of new equipment that will be used uh, on dissidents, uh, very effective. We, mm. we really have to uh, you know, moving ahead in a lot of ways. And, and it, it, I don't – I really hope they get him out. I hope they have – some kind of impeachment, at least something to start, uh, wake up the people. The thing that I, I'm worried about with, the, with all this is he, he does draw big crowds in these silly arenas, you know, and uh, uh, at some point, hopefully the Democratic faithful that are running will get down to a, mes- a reasonable amount of, of candidates. Most definitely so it will. It will. Well, you know, the reason that he has the appeal in these places is because he is an entertainer. He doesn't spout the truth. He's, he's, uh, he basically goes there and he carries on. And, and he doesn't think about the repercussions of the things he says. And, and, and they're finding that his global, this is global, too. It's not just here, because there was an issue, I think, in, in Germany there was an issue. There was a killing there, and it's being treated as political. Um, because basically a local politician was killed, and um, it was the um, uh, they're basically sent, she's centrist right, Merkel. But what happened is, is there's such extremes now because of the whole issue of um, of immigration and the changes happening there. I mean, there's so much going on in terms of um, the immigration. Uh, about uh, now the tariff issue they're complaining to in Germany about how the tariff issue is going to affect them with productivity, and the bank is talking about that. So, I mean, there is a lot going on. And there was a man was found shot in the head, and they said they ruled out suicide and said basically it was tied to um, uh, the far right because he provo- somebody provoked the ire of the far right. He gave a speech. And uh, the video of him giving a speech was shown, suggesting anyone who didn't support in, in refugees should leave Germany. And all of a sudden, he ends up dead. <laughs> so there right. is no tolerance, and there's that crossing the line of ethics. You know, you can agree to disagree, but to just get so angry that you take another person's life or that you belittle people, and that goes for our administration. You know, you're talking well, about anti-bullying laws. But meanwhile, you're the biggest bully of them all, you know? Yeah, he indeed is. And, and you're right. In countries like the Czech Republic, which uh, really fought for its independence, uh, not too many, well, I guess 
50 years ago. Yeah. Uh, they're 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 doing the same thing. They're they're getting they're getting violent in those sectors. Great Britain. Uh, I don't know who's really running the opposition. I, the Labour Party should usually be uh, friendly. I don't. Uh, Trump is over there issuing his support to the uh, conservatives. But, right. Uh, he's creating a mess everywhere. And the thing is, he's isolating the U.S. from the world. Most uh, definitely. Mexico, we Most don't need definitely. A, a Mexican products. They're not our real problem. Neither is Canada. It's ridiculous. Uh, he didn't actually. You remember with the, uh, the the rolled paper that he said he had a deal with Mexico. He doesn't have deals with these countries. No. He's making this stuff no. up. He lies continuously. Well, it's, it's, very, it's very similar. I hate to say this, but it's very similar to people listening to you know whether it be like that real extremist religion or the doctor that says yes we're treating you for cancer but don't worry you're going to be fine in a matter of a month you'll see you know and and people that were i mean that that jim jones and you know drink this juice and we're all going to move on and when this this man is like a cheerleader and these people hear what they want to hear they hear what they want to hear or He's they're giving them he's giving them permission to act like that. Because if the president can get away with it, so can I. The president really doesn't represent them. That's what's really strange. And they lack, sadly, I know the the media's been saying how many people showed up at that uh, stadium here. I'm in Florida now. But they these many of these people lack lack the skills, knowledge and abilities to work in the coming workforce. And their children are the same. And they're following this guy, uh, like drinking, like you just brought up a good example. Uh, Jim, was it Jim Jones? Yeah. You know, they're, drinking, they're drinking his Kool-Aid, and he's offering them nothing. And that's, he's offering corruption to a, uh, a few or a, or a dynamic few. He's offering corruption to his whole entire cabinet. <laughs> Every person that represents a, um, that's a secretary of labor, secretary of transportation, secretary, I mean, the EPA, the secretary of education, commissioner of education, every single one of them is in direct violation of what that cabinet post stands for. You know, Teapot Dome was supposed to be our biggest scandal ever. And if you look now at it, it was just a crooked, a crooked series of deals. And maybe you can go back to U.S. Grant because he was too stupid to be aware of things that were going on. But this is amazingly crooked. And uh, like people say, his children are stealing directly out of the White House. They're oh, making definitely. props while being in the White House. But but that also was an issue because nepotism, nepotism in politics. I remember, you know, quite a few cities, and they will be unnamed now, where uh, you know urban cities that were cited by the state for a huge number numbers of nepotism of of people related, which is basically nepotism, putting all your relatives in and collecting salaries (laughs) for it, and meanwhile they're not fit to do the job. And here we have the leader of our country doing that. And maybe it seems funny to some people, and it's hysterical, and it's permission for them to act that way. But being a private sector person whose money was handed to you from a, from a relative and who just goes through bankruptcy so he doesn't have to do taxes, that's allowable in that level, but not when you're running a country. And using yeah. dollars from from all of us, you know that he's actually operated in debt. 
he's made that so, a yeah. successful issue with him. And the banks that are involved, and, you know, the records are not being turned over, uh, that German bank or Russian bank. Oh, Deutsch, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been doing this over and over, sending, you know, sending his idiot son-in-law to uh, negotiate between uh, the Palestinians and the Israelis. Another stupid move. He's not prepared for that. No, and, definitely uh, not. You know, now he's supposedly got some big peace initiative. The Palestinians don't want to even come to the table anymore. Uh, no, because no. They're, they're not even being recognized. But, um, no. you know, the way that you and I and, and those out there, our listeners, can do things are on a smaller level. If you have a problem with the EPA and keeping them off the scientists off advisory committees by this new little thing that was added in in terms of the grants – then get involved and get involved with petitions. There's there's a lot of different petitions you can do. That being one, um, another mm-hmm. one is is uh, Move On has one about ethics violations by Elaine Chow, devoting money and grant money over to her husband in Kentucky. There is one. Another one, Public Citizen, Brett from Public Citizen, focusing on how universities should not be hiring researchers backed by the Coke Coke money, because they are so proud of the fact that they are going to turn things around in this country, and they're doing it by hiring researchers and scientists that will will negate the truism of what's going on with climate, and also getting textbooks out to students that are reading things that are totally filled with mistruths about about the oil industry or, you know, coal and this and that. So these are the things that we can do. And, of course, contacting, our, like I said, our legislators and saying, I, I don't agree with this. On the state of New Jersey, you have a problem with the millionaire's tax, and they say 72% want them taxed because people forget that Christie made sure that their taxes went way down. And it wasn't mm-hmm. millionaires. Remember, Bill, five hundred yeah. and up, five hundred k. Yes. And they actually look at the figures. Millionaires are not leaving New Jersey anyway. Well, that's what I said. They actually now they said the ones that are leaving are those that are retiring and going to other climates. Some other and, places. You know, we're warmer and where the taxes are lower. But guess what? A lot of them have to come back because of disasters and <laughs> other issues. <laughs> I gotta tell you this: if you, I'm telling you, Florida is so freaking. Can I say freaking? I don't know. <laughs> so freaking hot. <laughs> I mean, the thing about the egg on the street is true. I tried it. Uh, that's not I, the I, place well, for me. I'll tell you that much. You know, and no. and the other one is Arizona. You can't go out during the day. Oh God! It's a, it today. It was 92 degrees in in uh, uh, Venice, Florida. But the humidity made it feel like 107. And if you have a dog or a cat, they can't walk on the street or the sidewalk. It burns their paws. You know, I'm I'm forced to let him run in the yard here, and he's getting bit by fire ants. Wow. What are the choices you got? And uh, I think this governor, you know, first of all, Floridians have 5 million more Democrats than Republicans. And they never elect a Democratic governor. And they voted out a decent senator. Because you have, I hate to say it, you have people over a certain age, and they think that any money 
that they have shouldn't go to this or that, and they don't vote by party, they're thinking about their wallets, because I heard that up here. There was a woman who was very brilliant, and um, she was retired, and she said to me, I'm going to knock the school budget down. I said, why? Why would you do that? And her reasoning was, I don't have any children. I don't. My grandchildren don't live here. Why should I support it? And I looked at her and I said, well, then maybe I should knock down any colas or I'm anything. To to her for one second. I'm sorry. Bill, your friend Cynthia is on the line. Would you like oh, to my gosh. Conversation? Cynthia. Hi. <laughs> Here we are. Oh, Cynthia, I apologize. We're going on That's and on okay. about, this, about the economy and ethics. Okay. That's okay. It's good to have Cynthia on. She's, uh, she's a lawyer. And uh, we were going to talk about uh, – well, we can all talk about it now. I, I mean, today I spent in your town and uh, in Sussex County, uh, where Ashford is, and uh, in your town, uh, Hercules, there's programs for kids with, uh, you know, with, um, what's the term I want to use now? <laughs> I'm from, uh, science, STEM technology. STEM, yes. And I just noticed today, um, on, if I could read a chart off to, to all of you, in, our, uh, in, in talking about graduate and postgraduate, I'm not talking about high schools now, but 81% mm-hmm. of every uh, diploma or, or is going to uh, out-of-country students. That's not bad, but the majority of them are from China and India, and they're going back, and they're stealing things from us. And uh, uh, I looked today, and I, I looked at... Uh, uh, New York City, for instance, and it, it, when it boomed a few years back on STEM technology jobs, uh, black Americans only got 6% of those jobs. Uh, and some of these other groups that I listed, we're having major problems. I, I mean, I looked up and I uh, actually we saw the pieces I wrote. Well, I wrote two pieces. One's not out yet, but it was on STEM technology. And I'm really worried what's happening in this country because we're falling behind greatly. Excuse me, can I just kind of, we've fallen behind many, many, many moons ago. And it's not just black America, it's America in general. You know, these other countries are very, very far ahead of us in technology and in just job production. I mean, they may be a little slow in the way they treat their citizens, but as far as being competitive, you know, they come here and they, uh, Many of the times they are doctors and lawyers or whatever in their own countries. They come here and they have to take a lower job because they don't take their degrees here. But they are very, very uh, competitive, and um, but we stay stagnant. We stay well, stagnant. We don't move an inch. Well, let me give you a statistic. I don't have any statistics before me. But females, Ashley, you're a female, and she's a female, uh, they're around 62% of all college graduates. Uh, mm-hmm. Males are, you know, they're 40-something percent. But when you look at STEM technology, it's the males that dominate in that. And I don't think that's right. I think we have to do things. You know, this is a space race. Hercules, I've said this to you many times, and it's a space race that we're losing because STEM technology leads to AI. And what I've, I've read some things, I'll send them along to everybody, but AI is dramatically changing in the things and the capacities that they can do, more so than I ever thought. Uh, I've been so engrossed in an MIT journal and a Harvard Business Review. I didn't realize MIT journal was better. 
uh, it's way out of my, I should have went to MIT. I would have really enjoyed it. Not smart <laughs> enough. Though. But um, this is a real problem. And what's going to happen in America? I know that programs are happening in schools, and I praise two schools in Sussex County in the, in the local piece that I wrote. I actually wrote around the country. Uh, one was Sparta, which, uh, after, you know, they, they were in a herald about the, uh, their, their programs in high school. And uh, the other one was Newark. I never, uh, Newton, not Newark, uh, Newton. Um, I know the STEM programs in Newark uh, and just about every area, but I think we need to have to push them up. And I th- think we can't leave anybody behind. I don't know if anybody agrees or disagrees, but, um, you know, our, uh, when most of the graduates may be going back to their countries and they're competing with us directly, I would like to see more Americans get the breaks in scholarships and whatnot. Uh, I don't know if anybody agrees. Any comments on that? Well, I agree. I think that, you know, I listen to a lot of the, these politicians, you know, when they're high in the sky dreams, but we got to realize that schools are businesses now. And um, grant money and getting scholarships and, you know, it's, it's very possible. But like I said, people have to take the effort, and then if you listen to these politicians, rarely do you hear them even speak about education. You're right. No, secondly, and then you have someone like Betsy DeVos that's mm-hmm. talking oh, about just idiot. putting the money towards private sector and, yeah, and charter schools, schools. Mm-hmm. right, and not taking care of public education. You know, shoveling mm-hmm. and siphoning that money off. It's frightening. And, you know, uh, the laws are, are, are very different, and even within a community. Uh, I know with, like, education in certain districts, one school's run one way, one's run the other way. And mm-hmm. a, a lot of the states, the mandates that come down, they change constantly. And uh, as, I mean, being an educator for like 39 years, I mean, it was an art, but still, even that, I mean, you know, you have to follow away a curriculum and this and that. And, and so the, all of these different things that are, that are going on, these different movements in education, um, they don't give it enough time to gel. And now the big thing, the past, I'd say, good 10 years, has been accountability. And it's more emphasis on the teacher in the sense of let me go in with the iPad and let me go through every domain and see where they go from a 1 to a 4. And, by the way, make no one is excellent. So, therefore, make sure there are no 4s whatsoever. If anything, make it go down towards the bottom. And the teacher has lost total control of what they can do in the classroom in most districts because of the fact that they're, they're operating with timelines and coming in and following scripts and not being creative or innovative. So if a child comes in at a certain time and they missed or missed a day, well, you have to keep going on. You're not even allowed to review. And if you do, the teacher will get marked down. There's many things going on that people are totally unaware of. And in terms of flexibility, why are they not playing up to each kid's strength? You know, I mean, I can't understand that. How many, um, statistically, do you feel that um, people are going into the teaching field now? No, they're not. They're not going into it. People used to be, you know, everybody wants to teach, you know. But do you think that people are going into the teaching profession now? No, you're right. The better fact they're going to other countries now to to get teachers because they Mm -hmm. refuse to to pay the teacher. And more than that, I mean, they're taking away your incentive to teach. 
Uh, yes, what most yes. teaching is that each individual has their own way of teaching. And sometimes you have a teachable moment. I can remember one time I'm talking about our history and I'm getting into, um, you know, the beauty of Mexican art and, and the culture. And, and a child was from, um, I don't know, Kosovo or somewhere out there and, and said, my parents said and do, 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 do about the Mexican people right there. And then I just stopped what I was teaching and I talked about immigration oh, and wow. how, how every culture has such something to give and that what makes this country great is that every culture has donated beautiful things and meshed in things that we would not have ever known existed but let me give you guys this this i'm going to give you a few occupations electrical engineering at a a graduate and postgraduate 81 percent of the members in those fields are are from out of the country Uh, petroleum 81 percent same thing, computer science. Seventy-nine percent of the of those kids are foreign are foreign kids. Because what are they paying them, Bill? And the other issue is I mentioned this about Google. Google, more than half of their employees are part-time employees. And when they were Mm -hmm. getting involved with the tech industry, they had people with doctorates that they were paying an hourly wage. Hello, Mm -hmm. there there has to be some control. But he had an interesting story because him and my uncle, you know, they were kind of like little roughnecks when they were kids and got in trouble before a judge. judge said, where do you want to go? This is during Vietnam. Where do you want to go? You want to go to jail or you want to go in the Army? So my dad being a smart hiney said, I'm going, you know, to jail. And so... Went there, came out, started hanging out with the same people, went to the for the same judge. Where do you want to go? To jail? Or you want to go in the army? So I'm going in the army because I'll never step foot in never, another jail again. No, because that, jails are horrific. Yes. That's right. And because of that judge, he went into, you know, the army. He got, was able to uh, get some him some real backbone. He came out, went to school, and he became an engineer. Wonderful. Well, that's that's mm-hmm. good. But we need. Here's the thing. We need every one of those jobs that I read off, and the list goes on for about forty more. We need more Americans in those jobs and in those schools. This is a space race. We're losing to China and we're losing to Russia. They're our two biggest competitors. I'm not talking about military, but they're a they're niching ahead on military yeah. too, and we got a bozo. We need to increase. It's like when Kennedy was around; he said we got to get a, a thing to the moon. Now we never got it to the moon when he was alive, but we did it. And after that moon, that moon space shop, tons of kids enrolled in science programs, right. which were typical STEM programs. We're falling way behind. We can't afford to send uh, have maybe fifty thousand kids. Uh, going to STEM when other countries are, are hauling out 600,000 kids like China and they're using oh. our schools. I'm not against Chinese kids. I prefer Chinese American kids, but I'm not against any any ethnic group. But the reality well, once is again, it comes down to the fact that we just said we have an election coming up and where is the education as being a priority? Thank you very much, Cynthia. You were so right. 
You know, they have to be giving the kids the incentive and the right programs. And I'm not saying on paper. Everything Mm -hmm. looks good on paper. I could tell you about paper and the documents. And meanwhile, this is being allocated and that's being allocated. And they don't tell you that half the computers don't work in that one particular school system. Or or that they're teaching, the big thing is teaching to the test and just showing that these kids are graduating. Uh, someone I know at one school, they, they said, you know, can you believe that we're not allowed to give a child a zero when they're not coming in? They're told they have to have, the lowest you can give them is a 55. Really? Somehow, oh yeah, I'm not going to go into the details of it. But this is, this, this is what happens. Every district is different. Right. The politics are different. Who knows what promotes this? A lot of it is well, promoted yeah. by funds and money, and this looks good on paper, and that looks good. And meanwhile, in reality, that's not what's happening. Well, you should no, I, you, politics, and that's to get the nail on the head. And, yeah. if we, and if you look at the, the person who is running, the leader of the free world, I mean, this guy couldn't even put a sentence together. I'm okay. tired of hearing the word great, great, great. Yes, yes. Wonderful, great. It's really great. Uh, my second graders used to, that came to see me spoke better than that. I know. On that, on that note, we have to end for today. We're in the last couple of minutes of the episode. But uh, I am going to be starting a uh, a new podcast that's going to focus on um, you know, basically uh, the future and uh, STEM. I do a lot of STEM work in my community. So on the first show, I'd like to have the three of you back because what was happening was really dynamic. And uh, Oh, I would love uh, to. And Cynthia sounds sure. really yeah. interesting. I'm, I'm all, it's all go for me. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Sorry, sorry about the technical difficulties today. The board was acting kind of wonky, but uh, we had a great show anyway and a lot of great information came out. Uh, thank you uh, for being excellent guests, and uh, I will talk to each of you individually about the new show. Oh, Definitely. And it was a pleasure speaking with Bill and with Cynthia. Thank it you. Is, thank you. Thank you very much. I had a great time. Okay, everybody, thank you for joining us. Uh, good night. Until next time, this is all of us wishing all of you uh, joyous journeys and awesome adventures. for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. <laughs>